You're listening to the Homeschooling Families Podcast by Teach Them Diligently. Welcome. Every week, we bring you simple answers to help your homeschool family thrive. I'm Leslie Nunnery, and I am so glad you're here. I'm excited to welcome Kirk Martin back to the podcast this week. Kirk is the founder of Celebrate Calm, and over the years, he's shown almost one million parents how to stop the yelling, defiance, and power struggles with even the most strong-willed children. He joined us for Teach Them Diligently last season for the first time, and he offered incredibly helpful insight to thousands who heard him speak. Today, we're talking about how you can discipline and teach a strong-willed child who doesn't seem to care about the consequences. We'll also spend some time chatting about the lessons parents of strong-willed kiddos get to learn and how God uses those children to refine and sanctify us along the way. You absolutely do not want to miss this. Before we dive in, I want to encourage you to check out our Sunday Night Homeschool Subjects email. It's totally free, and we believe that the 15 minutes or less that it will take you to read it over and check out the resources and links we share there will jumpstart your week and get you off on the right foot each time. Plus, once you sign up, you can share homeschool subjects with your friends using your unique referral link to earn fun homeschool swag beginning with just one referral. Go to homeschoolsubjects.com to learn more and sign up today. Again, that's homeschoolsubjects.com. Today's podcast is sponsored by Heritage Defense. You may or may not already have legal protection for your right to homeschool, but what if a social worker knocked on your door and the allegation was not about homeschooling? Since 2010, Heritage Defense has been providing member families with 24-7 direct access to experienced Christian attorneys ready to protect your children and defend your parental rights. Membership with Heritage Defense also provides you an attorney beyond your initial call, including being with you for any meetings with CPS and representing you in court if needed, at no extra cost to you. Go to teachthemdiligently.net forward slash heritage defense to join today. Again, that is teachthemdiligently.net forward slash heritage defense. Hey, you guys, it is a great joy to welcome Kirk Martin back to the podcast today. Kirk joined us um, several months ago, and he also joined us on site this year in Pigeon Forge and in Round Rock for the first time and just was a great blessing and encouragement to the families. Um, Kirk, I'll never forget walking outside of your your rooms where you spoke and just seeing you mobbed by families for, for just a long time after. And I so appreciated your taking the time to answer their questions um, and to really invest in them personally. So welcome back to the podcast. I am so glad that you're here. Leslie, it's good to be back. I'm excited. I'm excited. Well, good, good. For those who have not yet met you, can you share a little bit about yourself and your story and why why you started Celebrate Calm? Kind of what what brought this this whole ministry that you've had about so that as we dive into our discussion today, they have a little bit more context for who you are. Okay. I'll try to do the two-minute version. So there you go. I'm, yeah, I'm the son of a career military father who only knew the my way or highway approach kind of that fear and intimidation approach to parenting. And he had four sons. We all grew up 
We all got married. We all had kids. And we did the same thing my dad did. And um, most of my brothers, we all had strong-willed kids. And as you know, they tend not to respond well to fear and intimidation because they're fight-or-flight kids. And it just provoked all of these power struggles. And I prayed for years asking God, why did you give me this kid? He's so difficult. And what I ended up hearing eventually from God is, maybe your son's made like this on purpose, and maybe you're the one who needs to change. And once I embraced that and I began to change, our relationship changed. And one of the things I love about you, Leslie, in your ministry is that you focus on relationships because it's relationships that change behavior. And that sparked something very different in us. And we decided to reach out to all these other uh, kids that were struggling, actually had them into our home. And over the course of a decade, we had about 1,500 strong-willed kids come be in our home where we could work with them. And so we actually didn't help them as much as they helped us, right? We learned from these very bright kids who don't like to follow directions, who want to do it their own way, who who don't respond to consequences. And so I think we're going to talk about that today because as a parent, your first thing is like, what consequence do we give? And then you do it with a strong-willed child and they literally don't care. So then what do you do? So that's the hopefully short enough version. Oh, that was fantastic. And yes, we are going to talk about that today. But before we dive into that, I want to key on something that you noted there. And that is how God used your strong-willed child to really sanctify you, to bring you closer to him, to remodel who you were. And that's one of the things that I find so powerful about parenting is the way that God uses our children, uses our circumstances as we seek his face to make us more like him and to show us the ways that we need to depend on him more. How did that look in your family? How did God point that out to you? Well, one, it was, um, it was that realization of the purpose of relationships is not happiness. It is transformation. It's our, our, the outgrowth of a relationship with Christ is that we become more like him. And as we're close to him, we change. And we have this mistaken idea, especially as Christians, a lot of times like, well, if we just love the Lord and we pray, everything will be good and we'll be happy. And what we miss is that life is very messy. And if you read through scripture, especially Old Testament, you'll find all those families were really, really broken. And so when uh, in marriage with your kids, they're a reflection of you. And what I found out was I had a lot of control issues and a lot of anxiety. And my son, because he, what, what, this is, that's a really good point, Leslie. If my son had been very compliant and just had cowed in fear, I would have never changed. But because he didn't, and because he was strong, it reflected back to me, oh, maybe it's my control issues because you know this as well, especially with Christian family. I can tell Christians who email because their email is always, my son is very disobedient, right? Or rebellious. And those are Christian code words for, I have a difficult kid and he won't do what I say. And my response (laughs) will always be, well, let's first look at your control issues and your anxiety and see how that's triggering your child. And the beautiful part is that the only person in life that you can really change is yourself. And when you humble yourself and you begin to change, you see, 
wow, now I see my child changing before my very eyes and I didn't fix him. I just started working on myself. And so it's actually, as you said, it's actually a very beautiful process once you embrace it. Yeah. And and the same is true in marriage. I'm sure your marriage was impacted as God was reshaping and remodeling you as well. I have found that so many times as I pray for my kids or I pray for David, the Lord shows me things in myself that may be, you know, triggering things or, you know, prompting behaviors or reactions. And I'm able to address those in myself personally. And then that smooths out so many things. And yet I was missing that little, little piece of dust in my own eye that made all the difference. Right. And that's, I I love, so my interpretation of that scripture, when Jesus is like, before you pick out the speck in someone else's eye, pick out your, the log in your own. My interpretation is you will be so busy picking out things (laughs) in your own eye. You will never really have time to look at someone else. And I'm 56 now. I can tell you there is still, there is still deep stuff in there that I realize Mm -hmm. maybe from my childhood or my patterns. And so a lot of what we talk about celebrate calm is breaking generational patterns. And so my generational pattern was breaking my dad's uh, inability to connect with both my mom and us as kids, uh, the reactionary yelling and screaming. And then in my marriage, it was deeper because it was, I didn't know how to connect emotionally. My wife would Mm. say, we don't connect emotionally. I was like, we had a really nice talk. We watched the football game yesterday. I loved it. And she's like, no, we don't, you don't know how to emote and you don't really hear me. So Mm. it changed it's enriched my life because now I'm better at all these things and it wouldn't have happened outside of relationship with my family. And so if you as a parent can embrace that, it's hard at first, but then as you found Leslie, it's liberating because Mm -hmm. I'm liberated from my, the things inside of me that sabotage my relationships. And yeah, That's, so you're, yeah. you guys are really awesome at doing that. Well, thank you. And, and, you know, to your point about liberating, it also takes the pressure off of changing someone else because you recognize <laughs> that you are responsible for you. Your reactions to them are your responsibility, but remodeling, reshaping them, you cannot do only the Holy Spirit can. And so it pushes you to your knees. It gives you a much more peaceful outlook. So talking about whacking at anxiety, it whacks away at that anxiety because you recognize that you have to turn them over to the only one who can take care of them in the first place. Yes, it is. And I love you said takes the pressure off because just think what happens if I wake up in the morning and my goal, if I fall into that, if then trap, right? If my wife would just start doing X, if my husband, if my child would just start doing X, then everything would be better. Well, now I'm placing my happiness, fulfillment in the hands of another human being, which means I'm going to pressure them so much that I end up getting the exact opposite result that I wanted, right? Like you can tell, like when your kids were little, if you're like, guys, we got to go get to church, go, 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 go. Sunday morning is usually an awful time. Right. Because then the more you pressure them and what I found was it was my own anxiety. 
It was my anxiety because I didn't want to be late. I didn't want to disappoint people at church because we were late. And so now I'm like, God, get, get, you know, get, get your shoes on, get in the car. We need to go. And now Sunday morning becomes me pressuring, yelling, pushing, and then the child resists even more. And they're not rejecting you or your authority. What they're rejecting is your anxiety, all of that pressure, because what they know is no matter what I do this morning, it won't be good enough for you. And I don't even want to try now. And when you can control on that Sunday morning, when you can relax yourself, when you wake your child up with a compliment, when you wake them up and say, oh, I could really use your help this morning, and you give them a tool to actually succeed in the morning, and you're, you're at peace, you're actually, as your words I like, are modeling. You're modeling. Like, God's not anxious. Like, you know what? I've been working on these things on you for years. When are you finally going to get it, Kurt? Like, he's not like that. He's like, I get it. You're dust. And I will be patient with you. And eventually you'll get it. And so it's hmm. a nice, it's kind of a nice model for parenting how God parents us in that sense. No question. No question. And he is, he is so good and he is so patient and he is so loving. And we need to keep our eyes fixed on him because our children are going to, they're, they're going to push us. They are going to stretch us beyond our own capacity, our own wisdom, our own good sense. Um, and, and they are going to, require us to absolutely fall on our faces before the Lord. And I believe with every thread of my being that that's exactly where God wants us. He wants us on our face before him and then allowing him to do his work. Um, So I so appreciate the way that uh, you took that little detour with me because I I think that, you know, that was, that was worth the whole price of the podcast right there. Um, Just really really, the best part. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Now let's rein it back in and let's go from talking about a strong-willed parents to talking about our strong-willed kids. And, you know, we specifically today, we were going to talk about consequences and how frustrating it can be for parents of strong-willed kids when consequences don't seem to work. So why is it that we do find that a lot of times consequences don't really have the same impact with our strong-willed kids? I think it's a couple things. One is that with strong-willed kids in particular, they want to own their choices. And they Mm. tend to be stove touchers, right? They like to touch the hot stove. And we get very anxious as parents of like, no, 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 don't do that. Listen to me, do exactly what I say. And you won't have to experience that. These kids need to do that. It's part of the process. The other part that I think is even more important is that consequences are very limited because we tend to give a consequence for an outward behavior that we see that is, that is not right, incorrect, it, it, it's wrong. But usually the root of that is something entirely different. Give you a quick example. Mom just emailed me and a night, good mom. And she's like, my daughter is speaking so disrespectfully to us. What consequence can we give her? So my reply back to her was, well, before we get to that, what I really want to know is what's triggering that in your daughter? Because you know the phrase, hurt people hurt people, right? Right. There's I would encourage parents, all of us, with our friends, with, um, you know, people we're trying to reach out to with God's love and they're resistant to us. 
those people are hurting. And if you dig deeper, you will find there's almost, it's not an excuse for their bad behavior, but there's almost some, always something deeper. And it was interesting. This mom's first email was, my daughter's disrespectful. What's the consequence? And after a couple exchanges, what we find out is this is a little girl who doesn't feel like she fits in. She has a perfect brother, right? This is usually the strong will child has the golden child sibling. It's Cain and Abel all over again. She doesn't have a lot of friends. She doesn't feel successful in school. And so now out of not feeling good inside, she takes it out on her siblings and sometimes on her parents. So where we detoured was let's work on rebuilding your daughter inside. So she's confident. She feels God's grace. She, she, uh, we create successes. And this little girl is really good at helping old people. So we got her. Uh, she has now a job during her homeschooling day, which is to go down to this older couple's house and help them because hmm. strong-willed kids love helping other people, just not you as parents. They're not going to help you, but they love helping other people. And now this older couple is sewing into this little girl. Oh, you are so helpful. You listen to us. You do anything with that we ask. And she, they, this little girl is creating joy. Well, what happens when she comes back home? She feels joy. She feels meaning and purpose. She feels good about herself. Now the disrespectful tone is starting to go away, not because of a consequence, but because we changed her heart inside and how she even sees herself. That's a little bit long-winded, but it's part of the process of going a little bit deeper. Well, that's the thing. And you always have to go for the root of whatever you're dealing with, because if you're just snipping at leaves, you're going to be snipping at leaves indefinitely. You're never going to get beyond that. And it's going to be frustrating for both of you. Whereas if you take the time, and again, this goes back to relationships, it takes time to get to know your child on a level deep enough to understand what makes them tick and what's at the root of the reactions that you're seeing so that you can build some infrastructure to give them success, to give them confidence, to re help them reframe the way that they see their role, perhaps. But all of that takes intentionality and it takes really just the 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 will to build those relationships that God has called us to build with our children. That's our great privilege as parents to know them best. Um, but it does not happen by chance and it doesn't happen without a lot of work. That's Leslie, I think one of the good one of the, you make a lot of good points. One of the things that strikes me is an advantage that we have as Christian parents is being able to tap into God's wisdom. Give you a quick example. You have a child, a lot of the strong-willed kids and kids on the spectrum struggle with anxiety. So going to new places is usually difficult for them. They'll want to sign up, sign me up for it. But the night you come, you're like, hey, you've got that new class ready to go. You will almost always get resistance. And if you keep pushing, what you'll get is, no, Taekwondo's stupid. You're stupid. I'm not going. So now you have a defiant child, a disrespectful child. Well, here's what where you're talking about is when I, as a parent, can control myself first and I step back and take three seconds and ask God, give me some wisdom here because my child is screaming at me and calling me names. I can either assume the worst, that this is just a disrespectful child who needs to be disciplined, or there's something else going on. 
And when I get the wisdom to say, oh, it's anxiety, and I look down at this child or up, because it could be a 17-year-old child, (laughs) and say, I know what's going on right now. You're not a bad kid. You're not a disrespectful kid. You're just anxious because you're going to a new place, and that's a little bit scary, and you should be a little bit nervous. Think how beautiful that is that just by changing the way I see my child, asking God for wisdom instead of shaming the child with, you know what, you need to get in the car right now. Stop talking to me like that. And that always escalates. Now I have become the trusted resource because that's what God is in many ways is. When I don't know what else to do, I ask God and God gives me wisdom. And now as the parent, this child who was out of a a fear and anxiety was flailing. I don't want to go to this new place. It's scary. The other kids might pick on me. I might get rejected. They might not like me. This is stupid. I hate you. Now here comes the parent with wisdom that says, that's not what's going on. You're just nervous and you should be. But you know what? I bet when we get there, that Taekwondo leader He could really use your help because you're a great helper. And now I get my child there. And once I get him there, he's fine. Mm -hmm. And now I've built that trust when, and and I've said this, I say this many times, the message I want to send to my kids is when your world is out of control, mine's not. See, I can handle it. When your world, when you're, when you're filled with anxiety and fear, I can help you. And then they'll come to you. And I know that's what you found, like with your older kids, as they get into their 20s and they have issues, you want that phone call, right? Of like, mom, dad, like, what do I do? I just lost my job. Or teenage years with social media and all the pressure. These are moments, and I'll end, I know I'm talking too long. These really nasty situations. You're stupid. I hate you. I want to encourage you as parents, Those are huge opportunities for you. Don't look at them as like, oh, I hate this. I wish it didn't happen. No, this is an opportunity to help a child who's flailing, to show them, no, this is what God's goodness and kindness and wisdom looks like. Yeah, absolutely. And and like you noted about the wisdom, when God gives you wisdom, when when you know, stuff comes out of your mouth that you're like, Whoa, I don't know where that came from except the Lord. Or you have an idea right. that turns out to be so good that you're like, where on earth did I get that? That's God answering prayers. That is actively God involved in your life and your child's life. And it is an amazing thing. So I don't want our families to lose sight of the fact that as they are praying for their children, as they are, you know, praying scripture, I I have a whole email series that walks you through praying scripture and how that impacts your parenting. As you are doing stuff like that and you see God at work, you're much more likely to actually pay attention and rejoice in those moments and have your own faith strengthened, even as you see him smooth out relationships with your kids or point out different directions for your kids. It's an amazing thing that we as parents get to see as God works in that way. That's that I I like how you reframed it to um now with the parents I work with, they may not rejoice in the moment, but it is that may be too strong for them. But <laughs> I'm kind of kidding. But it is a uh, but it is an opportunity when when you can relax a little bit 
and you can mm-hmm. stay calm and you can look at the situation. You can say, okay. And I do want to, and, and I think Leslie, you'll join me in this for the parents of really young kids. You know what happens? Like, especially your first child or little ones, you start to put so much pressure on yourself. Like every situation, if we don't do this correctly, my child is going to be a sociopath. Right. And you're like, <laughs> no, your child's three. Like sometimes if you just, right, they're just three. It's going to be okay. It's consistency over a long period of time. And if you can relax in it, reach out to Leslie, always reach out to me where we have older kids and we can reassure you that you're going to be okay. And you can slow it down a little bit and say, you know what, tonight, maybe we're not going to have that nice dinner. Let's just make some mac and cheese because all kids love mac and cheese and, and just relax into the evening and work through some of these struggles. And you'll find, as Leslie said, that you get better and better at it. And then it becomes, wow, my daughter came home full of herself and these, these big emotions and we work through it. And now we're sitting and we're bonding and it's a beautiful, beautiful. Now you may not have gotten schoolwork done. Dinner was Mac and cheese, but who cares? You just bonded with your child in a really emotional moment. Don't be afraid to let go of some of those other things. Focus on the relationships first. No question. And and God is so good to give you a rearview mirror. You know, a lot of the things that Kirk and I speak <laughs> of is with the benefit of a really big rearview mirror, we're able to look back and see all the things that God did through the years and the way that he used those ideas or those words or those mac and cheese nights where we just sat down and read or played games or did nothing, but did it together and right. how impactful that was and how memorable that was. I stand amazed as I sit around the table now with my older kids when we're when we are able to all eat together and the stuff they remember it's not what you think they're going to remember and it's glorious and it's it's hilarious and the stuff that they remember that you never even knew happened is pretty scary and glorious yes. too but <laughs> it just reinforces the depth of the relationship that God allows you to build through the years that you're able to reap once they get older and then you're kind of moving into a friendship with your older, you know, adult kids. And it's, it's an amazing thing. You will, I I promise you will love it. And I will promise you will love it with your strong willed child. They, because I fought so much with Casey when he was young and we wrestled over these things, it has formed a really tight bond with us. Mm -hmm. And it's really cool. Hey, Leslie, can I ask you a favor? Can I, I know I just, I just threw you. Can I hit, before we go, I do want to hit on a couple things with consequences for parents. Yes. Because I know we, oh, good. Yep. That's it. I I was thinking on the same wavelength (laughs) with you. Yeah. Okay. We were going to go back because you threw out a little while ago, I made note of the, the ownership that uh, giving kids ownership of their choices. And I want you to kind of work that out a little bit because I, I suspect that for many, when they hear giving kids ownership of their choices, they're thinking give control of their home or, you know, let them have way more um, leverage than as a child they should have. So what does that actually mean? And how does that look? Okay. So for me, ownership is this. I don't want to give kids control of my home. I want to give them ownership of their choices within my boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. So 
because when we were kids, we actually, I think we had a lot of ownership. We we were outside a lot by ourselves and we ran around in the neighborhood and we made these decisions. And our kids tend to be a little bit more under a microscope than we were. And so here's kind of conceptually how I lay it out. I create a big box for my kids to live in. There are very clear rules, very clear expectations, very clear boundaries. It's not permissive parenting. The difference with a strong-willed child in particular is this. Here's what I say. Here's my goal and expectations, what I want done. But within this big box, I will give you space, which is really important to give them some space, space to do things and do them differently than I would do them as long as we accomplish the same task. So it could be with schoolwork. Look, we have to get X number of lessons done each day or each week. I don't care how you do your schoolwork. If you do your schoolwork better laying underneath a table with a blanket over it, so you've got a little, so it's a little fort, go for it. If you want to do your schoolwork lying upside down off the sofa, which irritates me to no end, and I don't like it, but if you want to do it that way, I don't care. If you want to do your schoolwork standing at the kitchen counter, chewing on a snack, listening to music, and tapping your pencil, maybe not that if you have more than one child. But if you want to do it rocking back and forth at the kitchen counter, I don't care. Chores. I'll give you one with chores. I will try to save you some trouble, strong-willed parents. Most strong-willed children will not do simple chores at home. Even if they're simple, even if you do half the chore for them, right? Like put the bag of trash by the door, they will step right over it and not take it out to the trash. The strong-willed child, here's what I have found. If you give them a bigger box of different chores to do, here's what we did with our son. He loved doing hard work outside. He wouldn't do simple chores, but he would mulch. He would uh, dig holes. He would do yard work. Um, He would do things for neighbors. Now, you don't have to agree with this, but our son, what we wanted was, we want you to learn how to be responsible and respectful. And he was, he just did it better when he was outside the home. So what we eventually said is, your chores, pick three. And he said, well, can I help? There's an older couple down the neighbor. Can I help them? Yes, because that's giving. And so he wasn't always great in our house, but we expanded the box so that he could use his natural gifts, talents, and passions in different ways. That was me giving up my control issues. And again, you don't have to agree with that. But the ownership piece is for me, here's what I want done. Why don't you use that really creative brain of yours and come up with a different way to do it? If you Mm -hmm. want to get dressed in the morning, if you want me to do a treasure hunt and hide your clothes outside, I'll do it. If that gets you up and gets you dressed, I'll hide your schoolwork outside. I don't care. Just tell me what works for you. Again, within my boundaries, and we can discuss consequences if they don't, but I like like giving them a say. And Leslie, that irritates Christian parents of like, well, he just wants to do things his way. And I would change that to, I give them an opportunity to do their way, but within my boundaries that are acceptable to me. If that right, makes sense. Right. Oh, it absolutely does. And um, there's a lot of humility that, again, kind of looping back, the Lord teaches parents 
where we have to let go of the control of that. And we have to actually give them some, some room to make some choices of their own, but it is teaching them and allowing them to succeed within the parameters that we give them. So I really appreciate your laying that out like that. My question kind of as follow-up would be, all right, you give them latitude, you give them some choices, you give them space, they still don't. You can't figure out anything that actually gets their attention as far as consequences goes. Why is that? And what can you do with a strong-willed child to try to get their attention when, you know, your consequences are not actually doing what they need to? I focus, good question. We focus a lot on on giving kids tools to succeed. So if a child misbehaves, messes up, we tend to give a consequence, which in a, a sense is in a way, punishing them for failing. That's kind of our model. It's what we use in prisons. It's all of what we do in life. I tend to say, okay, I don't think my child wants to fail at this objective. I don't think he wants to lose all of his stuff. What is motivating? So I do use a lot of tools. I like the treasure hunts. I like making things a challenge. Many of our kids, I know this is frustrating as parents. You're like, no, it would be so much easier if you would just do what I told you to do, right? This common homeschool. If you would just sit and do your lesson, you could be done the whole day in like two hours, but you'd rather spread it out over like two weeks and it's hard. So that's where I go to tools of, okay, maybe their brain works in a different way and maybe doing schoolwork outside, making it more difficult. I used to give kids chores blindfolded. These are kids who like doing things the hard way. And Leslie, this might be a really good um, uh, insight in that. Know how God made them. God made them a certain way. And I know they are difficult in a sense. But if I know that my child likes a challenge, I give them a challenge. And then you have the Mm. compliant child who, thank God, just comes down every day ready to do their schoolwork and the day's easy with them. And this other child's going to fight you. I'd encourage you to stop fighting so much. You know, I realized this lately. You can only have a power struggle if two people participate. And I'm the grown up. I'm choosing not to take it personally and get offended because you know what? I sacrifice and I homeschool you and I try to make it interesting. And I know it's hard as moms because you do so much. But if I don't take it personally and I say, my child's struggling with schoolwork, how can we do it in a way that's different, that maybe isn't my way, but that works for that child? Sometimes you will get the breakthrough and I think, um, Leslie, you, you do this really well, humility. Because if you dig in, you know what? If you don't get your schoolwork done, we're not doing X. I don't have a problem with that. But if it's never worked and the child shuts down, well, then I have to say, why don't you come to me with a plan? How do you want to do your schoolwork? Again, within my boundaries. And sometimes that humility gives them space to actually do it without you trying to make them do it a certain way that's more comfortable. Again, it's within your boundaries and it's not always pretty, but it's worth, if you want to think about what different tools can I give my child, I'd rather try that for a week and see. And I'll try to do a podcast. I think I've done a couple recently, but I'll try to do a podcast on um, 
giving kids tools, even with schoolwork. So I'll, I'll, mm. I'll try to do that. Um, yeah. Make sure you send us a anyway, link to that. So we tools. <laughs> for sure. And you know, as you were thinking, or as you were speaking, I was thinking of, of particularly one of my kids who, you know, we have always, it, it's maddening because this child always has to learn things the hard way. It's like, why will you not just listen as, as they get older though. And you, I wish that I had known a lot of these things while this one was younger, but as you get older and you recognize, you know, this is, this is a young adult. Now this is a teenager, a young adult. We have got to start equipping him to walk on his own Mm -hmm. and you start giving him ownership or we did by default, which again, if I'd known this years ago, it would have, I can definitely see a better path, but there've been so many times when he's come back with a plan that highly resembles a plan that I have proposed multiple (laughs) times, but until it was his idea with his own little tweaks, it really didn't resonate with him. And you know, I, God has taught me an awful lot through that of just, if you would have just let him think on his own and put this plan together, he's listening to you. He's listening. You just, you don't see it in the moment that he is. Leslie, that's golden. That is just such a great insight of that. Like one of our phrases is when we step back as parents, it gives kids space to step up and own it themselves. And you mm-hmm. stepped back from, from controlling your own anxiety. Come on, we just got to do it this way. And when you give them some space to come back, these are really thoughtful kids. They're really good thinkers. And what they want is, I want to be able to put it in place myself. I want to touch the hot stove. I want to figure it out. You know, they tinker with, these are kids that tinker with things, with Legos. They tinker with your brain too and how they push your buttons. But- they want to have a say. And ultimately, it's a really good thing because they mm-hmm. do know how to handle life and you're teaching them. And then the other thing with faith, and we don't need to get in this, but I want to just a seed is these kids will often have to reject what you believe first so that then they can believe it for on their own. Like my son did not want to believe what I believe just because mom and dad want me to. He needed to wrestle with his own faith. But the beauty of it is it's now solid because he believes it for his own reasons and because he questioned. And now it's not that that loose faith of like, well, I just believe because I grew up Christian. It was so I encourage parents, don't be afraid of this strong-willed child. Embrace it. And ask, and I will give you, do you mind if I give you two quick things in case we run out of time for tough discipline? Yep, absolutely. I'll just, and and I know we don't have time, but I'll do two quick examples. So you've got a nine-year-old kid, could be eight, could be 12. And your child sneaks the iPad into bed at night, obviously against your rules. And so typically we come in, you know, what were you thinking? How many times have I told you, you don't, you don't bring the iPad into bed. I don't know how many times. And when we get upset, we start saying very personal things. Mm-hmm. We're not going to let them get away with it. But I'd encourage you to normalize some of this. It's very normal. Like why? I always ask, why would a nine-year-old not want to try to sneak 
an iPad into bed at night. Like it has access to all the world's movies and information. So I can respond to that child and say, totally get why you would want that. I get that. Like there's no shame. But you also know the rule in our home is if you do that, then you're five days with no screens. So I'm not mad. It's nothing personal. I'm not offended. I'm just letting them know in an even matter of fact way. I get why you did it, but it broke the rules and broke some trust. And so therefore, here's the consequence. But there's no need to go on and on and shame. The child eventually learns, yeah, that probably wasn't worth it. I'll give you one more. Teenage, because this just happened. Teenage daughter changes all the passwords on her phone and devices, right? So parents can't see where she's been. Well, some of that I expect. That's a normal, that's the normal teen parent dance. My job as a parent is to put boundaries so you don't hurt yourself and end up in jail. Your job as a teenager is to search for independence. That's a normal tension in the home. So rather than creating a whole big thing of drama over it, I just say, honey, get why you did that. I expect that by three o'clock this afternoon or whatever time, all the passwords will be restored. Or I will call Verizon, let them know we don't need that extra line. And I will cut off the router to the house. Kiss on the cheek, love you, walk away. And you don't have to agree with this, but I know that what my daughter's going to say in her head or grumble is, oh, you guys are so lame. My parents' friends don't do that. Uh, uh." I expect kids not to like to be disciplined or be held accountable. I don't expect the strong-willed child to say, mom, I really appreciate that you put boundaries and that you follow through because it makes me feel safe as a child. Your compliant child will say that. Your strong-willed child is going to resist and be upset at you. And I'm okay with that. I just don't create drama. If the passwords aren't reset by three o'clock or whatever time, I just do what I said I was going to do. Until kids finally, like, I don't, one more, I don't think God's up there every day saying like, I don't know how many times I have to tell you this. You know what? If you don't listen to me, I don't think God lectures a lot. I think God just says, look, I've got some principles here that I know work and are really good for you. And if you follow them, things will work well in my kingdom. If you don't, it's just not going to work well for you. I'm not mad at you. I'm just letting you know there are some natural things, some boundaries, so that I could bring you back in line for your own good. But there's no drama, no shaming. And I like that approach with our kids because it's short, sweet, definitive, and no drama. Well, it is. And it it sets the structure of authority without a power struggle struggle as well, which is which I think also gives those parameters and allows them to make choices. But it also, like you noted, there are, you know, you still have the authority, the rules in the home are still for their good and still need to be followed. And then they can make the choice to kind of line back up with it. Um, it's very tempting, as you noted, to when you engage in a power struggle in those moments to get into, I am going to speak to you until I break you down and you are just, you know, <laughs> a mess. And, and that's, that is, 
a horrible place to find yourself because as a parent, you're backing yourself into a corner, which is the weakest position that you could have. Mm. I love you were Leslie, you are so good. You have so much wisdom. I hope you write lots of books, um, <laughs> which I know you have already. But that that idea, I was just going to say the confidence part of I'm confident. I'm not moved by this. My child, I expect my child's going to mess up because I messed up as a kid. And when I'm confident and say, that doesn't throw me. I've got, I just want you to know, I, I like this. This is just how I roll in the home. And so I can be counted on because I'm not losing it all the time. I'm not that endless. Look, I believe that endless lecturing is provoking your child to anger because God doesn't do that to me. God, God is very gentle. He is firm in how he is, but he's very gentle in that. And that endless lecturing is provoking your child to anger. And then they get angry and say mean things. And now we call them disrespectful when this may be counter to what some of us believe, but I believe it's disrespectful to the child to lose it and to continue to lecture. It's exasperating your child. But to say, no, I'm not thrown by that. Look, if you if you want to talk to me like that, Casey, you may continue to do that. My day isn't going to be ruined because you've got a little bit of tone with me. All I want you to know is it's not going to end well for you if right. you continue to speak to me like that. It's going to hurt you. My assumption, son, is something else is going on. So if you'd like to get some chips, I'll grab some salsa. I'll meet you out on the deck or in the basement. And I'll listen to you and help you figure out why you're talking to me like that. Because it's not going to ruin my day. I'm a grown adult. I'm confident. My job is to look outward out of myself, which, again, is another advantage that Christian parents have, is that our job is to be selfless. and humble and look out and say, no, this isn't about someone's disrespecting me. This is about a child who's doing something that is hurting him or her. And my job is to give you some wisdom to know this isn't going to work for you. And so that kind of confidence is a beautiful example of what a good authority figure is. Mm -hmm. My job is to serve you. I'm going to serve you right now, Casey, by not reacting to your disrespectful tone and helping you figure out what's causing it so you don't continue to do things that cause you to lose your driver's license and all of your privileges. Exactly. Exactly. And um, just kind of as a side note on that, it is it is grievous to watch them reap the benefits, reap what they sow in yes. with consequences like that, where they they do get tickets or they close doors for themselves or whatever. And yet as a parent, I have to allow that so that they can learn through it. At, no matter how deeply it grieves me and how every part of me wants to step in and intervene and do something to stop those consequences. But in in those cases, as they get older, especially, and you see them stubbing their toe in ways that you just mm-hmm. hate for them, it's very important to allow them to to learn through that. Because like we noted way back earlier in this, a lot of times that's what it takes for them to actually learn it and make it their own. It is. And you know, I would give parents, try this this week. Go with a much uh, more humble approach. I did this with my son a lot because he he wanted to fight at times. And I'd say, I just go with a very humble tone and say, you know, I found in my 40 years that it usually works better when someone does it like this. 
something to think about, or I give them context and say, hey, here's something to think about, Case. Here's what I found. Why don't you give that some thought? And then I would walk away and I give them time to process it. And I'm sure you found this, Leslie, especially with your strong-willed one or many, is that if you give them the space, they will think about it. And yep. as you as you humble yourself, like I always, one of our phrases is humility leads to contrition. Me getting up like this and say, you know what, we need to talk about your behavior right now and I'm going to lay into you. Well, that creates a defensive response. But when I humble myself, I'm leading them actually to a place of contrition because underneath it is, I don't think you really want to go there. And my compassion says, I don't want you to be hurt. And sometimes that lower, like a low key approach for the strong willed child is actually extremely helpful. It's just uncomfortable because we want to lecture and we want to fix it. We want to get on them. But this week for the parents, after you listen to this, try some of these things this week, walk into a room in that moment, sit down and ask questions instead of talking a lot and watch their reaction or response to it and see if you don't get to a better place more quickly by humbling yourself, which is counter to everything we want as the authority figure. <laughs> but tr- right, because I want to yell, I'm the I'm the grown up here. Well, I always tell parents, well, then act like a grown up, right? Like let's anyway. I I, I think you'll find with a strong willed child that you will actually get not just rigid compliance, but you get a child with a big big heart that actually does above and beyond what you ask because now they own it. And, and, and so it's not just, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. It's, hey, dad, here's what I think you really, this is what I found with my son. Dad, what I think you really want is this. Could I do this for you? And I'd be like, yeah, that's actually better, <laughs> right? Like, have you found that, Leslie, before? And oh, it's yes. like, oh, I'd never thought of it that way. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so, so, so good. And yeah. Kirk, thank you so much for, for sharing all of this with us. There's never a time that I want to to stop a podcast with you. I think we could just talk indefinitely. Um, but I think we do need to kind of draw this to an end. So are there anything or is there anything that you haven't been able to share yet that you want to make sure that the families hear or know before we, we say farewell for this one and go on and set up our next time to chat? I think... Uh... Remember, it's relationships that change behavior. And the final thing for the strong-willed child, another goal for this week, I don't want to burden you, is enjoy that child. Along the way, that child became so challenging and ruined your agenda as a homeschooling parent because they mess up the schedule. We stop enjoying them because we're too busy trying to like fix them. Enjoy that child. Enjoy the fight. Enjoy the fact that they're wrestling with you. And if you do, that will change the relationship. So enjoy them, enjoy them. But thank you, Leslie. Thank you for your wisdom that you share because it's really, really, really good. So Well, praise the Lord for that. Kirk, before we go, make sure you tell everybody where we can connect with you. Um, And and also, if you'd let the families know some of the things that you offer through your ministry, because I want to make sure that if they they feel the need to connect with you, if if there's something that they really need to seek some help for, that they know where to find it and how to go about getting it. Um, Easiest way, if you go to CelebrateCalm.com or look up the Calm Parenting Podcast, 
you will find our contact information, my email address. Email me. Let me know that you found us through um, Teach Them Diligently because then it's just it, it, it. I'll answer your questions before I answer other people's because it's coming from yeah. Leslie and, and David. But let, let us know. Reach out to us. I, I, you can ask us questions. Um, we have something called the Calm Parenting Package, which is just instructional materials. You can find it on the website. Don't, I would just encourage you, don't buy it off the website because if you email us, we'll give you a bigger discount if you're a homeschooling family. And so, so just mention that and we'll work with you because that's, it's a family. It's not a, it's our family mission. Just like with David and Leslie, we just want to help. So anyway, yeah, anytime, just reach out. Well, thank you. And we'll be sure and put all of those links in the show notes, um, make sure they're in the app so that we make it as easy as possible for everyone to connect with you. Um, Kirk, again, you are always so helpful, so practical. Um, I, I always enjoy getting to talk to you. So thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with us today. You're welcome. Thank you, Leslie. You're welcome. To everyone else, I am absolutely confident that you have gotten an awful lot to chew on today. Um, I suspect you're going to want to go back and listen to it again, make some notes. I really think through some of the the kind of assignments that Kurt gave us, different ways that you can start approaching your kids differently, even this week. I would love to hear how that works out. What do you see? What does God teach you about yourself as you reframe the way that you're looking at your relationship with them? So send us a note. Let us know that. I hope and pray that you have a great rest of your day, that you take the time to invest in those relationships with your kiddos and enjoy everything that God is giving you. So have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day and week. And I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thank you for joining us today. We believe that every family is called to teach them diligently. So we're here to help. We would love to get to know you this year at one of our four live Teach Them Diligently events. And then throughout the year, when you become part of the Teach Them Diligently 365 community, check out the notes from today's show for more details about what we discussed today, as well as all of these other resources that Teach Them Diligently has to offer. Have a wonderful day, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon.